0: Amen. I tell you, if we taught on this subject every time you came here, it wouldn't hurt you. It would not hurt you. Title of this series is, What You Say Matters. Talking about this, you can't get enough of this, ever, in your life. You can never get enough enough of this, ever, ever. Man, it so matters what you say. I said this last week to you that based on Scripture and what God's looking for, what Jesus is looking for, who is our hope and who's our expectation, somebody's got to be in faith. And if you're waiting for somebody else to be in faith, you're missing the mark. Somebody's got to be in faith. Somebody's got to be believing, and it should be us. People everywhere need you and I saying the right things every day. Taking this series, what we're talking about here, taking the Word of God serious because the Word of God says so much about what you say matters. And actually, everything's about what you say. Tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you Three or four different areas where the Scripture is so clear about regarding what you say matters. The last two weeks, I've made this statement, and then I'm going to read our kind of our foundational Scripture for this, James 3, 1 and 2. Um, but what you say gives him access or not. But you're going to say something in life. You're either going to give him access or he's not going to have access into your life. But what you say matters. What you say matters. And James 3, 1 and 2, my brethren, do not let let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment i'm going to say something about that but not this week i keep reading that verse cuz it looks like it doesn't fit with verse 2 but it does so I'm going to read that again just remember it be thinking about it but but at some other time I'm going to talk about it but my it says my brethren let not many of you let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Many different translations of this, of this passage, say it in a number of different ways. But what it's saying is, If you understand that what you say matters and you watch every word that comes out of your mouth and you allow yourself to be judged every day, the Bible calls you a perfect person. And the word perfect there is not perfection, it's maturity. Somebody that is developed and is maturing and able to control every other aspect of life. You've got a temper, you can control and bring that under, and you can bring that under the control that it needs to be because the Bible says anger's not bad, but the wrong kind of anger is. But see, when you watch what you say and what you're saying daily is God's Word, in the seed of the Word is the answer to control your anger issues just one, one subject, one issue, every area, we have to be those kind of people. We have to be willing to look at how important it is for God to have access in my life takes me declaring what He says is so and keeping my mouth shut about everything else. So, at the end of the day, I mean, you think about it, you can have opinions about everything and everybody all day long. And most of the stuff that we have opinions about other people are the things we don't like about it. And that's just got to cease to exist. But it will never stop. It will never stop if you don't replace what you're saying in a negative way with speaking God's Word. Because it's in the seed of the Word that you're declaring every day that empowers you to be able to shut that mess down. The man that doesn't say the wrong stuff means he's saying the right stuff. He's able to control his whole body, everything else about him. Any other aspect of life, any other attribute of life, anger issues, jealous issues, competitive issues, I don't care what it is, you're able to control those things. Is competition bad? Not in itself. I mean, the Bible talks clearly about a good thing having a good competitive spirit about you. But not a wrong competitive spirit. Not competitive to the place that you want to see others not make it and not succeed. you got to get rid of that mess. We have to. Revelation 12 and verse eleven says this. <clears throat> and I want you to get a hold of this in comparison to James three, one and two and Revelation twelve eleven. They overcame him, the enemy, little H, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. I'm going to tell you something I believe very profound that I'm going to say right now about that verse of Scripture that connects you to the James 3 Scripture. And it's this. They overcame the enemy. They overcame all the attributes in life by what Jesus said and did and then by what we say and do. So, to overcome all those things that I just mentioned that we're talking about, that He said, if you don't say the wrong stuff, then you're going to control yourself in every area of life. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, you controlling yourself. And how does that happen? In the garden, Jesus said, Father, if there be any other way, He said this, but not my will be done, yours be done, He made up His mind right then, He made declaration, He went to the cross, He shed His blood by the blood of the Lamb, and what was that, what was that blood shed by? The decision He made and the declarations He made with His mouth. And that wasn't enough for you to be set free and be empowered, but now you got to back it up and say the right things the same way. It won't just work because He did it. He set us up. He gave us everything. We have the ability to live on top and not underneath in every situation of life, but we got to do what He did. By what He said and did, He set it up for us to now say and do the same way he would say and do, and get the same results. Man. Wow. Man. I love you, Lord. Wow, that's what you've given us. We don't have to fret, be anxious, be worried. We don't have to, we don't have to, we don't have to be troubled over anything in life when he's our source. But you'll, He'll never be the source that He is to you if you don't do that part. They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb, and I just said what that meant, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, what they declare, what we declare today. Keep that as we go through this. 1 Timothy 6. And verse 12, I want to, I that's one little section that I'm talking about. This is the second section, 1 Timothy 6, 12, and 13. I'm going to read it in the New King James and then the NIV. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Fight the faith, lay hold, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. And I want you to think about this verse. I'm going to read it in the NIV, and then I want to say a couple things about this. <clears throat> the NIV, 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything... And of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life the way that Jesus did when he was standing before Pontius Pilate. And we're talking about the Creator of the universe. In the beginning, what did he say? Light be and light was. He said everything and everything was. And he stands before Pontius Pilate, Pilate asking him a number of different questions trying to get him to say that he was not guilty. but he wouldn't back down because he knew at that moment what his destiny was and even though he wasn't guilty he took all our guilt on himself and by keeping his words in line with God he's now empowered us to fight the fight of faith through our confession fight the fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life now. we got it all now. We have everything in our life now. We have nothing to worry about, nothing to fear, nothing to care, not in any way, shape, or form, but it's because of our good confession. Now, I I, want to say this, and I want you to look at the next verse that's tied to this, and it's found in Romans 10, 9, and 10. Jesus never changed his confession based on pressure. In other words, no matter what he faced and when he was before Pontius Pilate and what happened to him after that, no human being should ever go through that. No human beings ever been tortured the way he was tortured. No that we have that we have record of nobody was beaten and tortured the way he was. And why so that we could have faith and we could lay hold on eternal life. And how do we get that? The confession in 1 Timothy 6 that he talked about that we've made is this confession in this Romans road of, of our connection to God. And it says this in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness about what's right, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. It's not just being saved from going to hell. It's not just being saved and on your way to heaven. That's part of it. But it's not just that. Did you hear what I said? It's saved, delivered, and set free in every way. Every single way. That's what He's paid for for us. Confession is a huge part of your initial salvation. We got into the kingdom through confession, but we have to maintain our place in the kingdom through confession. And that's what, that's what 1 Timothy 6 is talking about. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of this eternal life, this eternal salvation and deliverance through the declaration of our mouths. Without it, you have nothing. I'm telling you today, there is no answers for your life outside of the seed of the Word that is coming out of your mouth on a day-to-day basis. So that when you find yourself in tough situations like Jesus did, He didn't bow. He didn't give in. He answered correctly. Right? Right? And everything that he said came to pass because he never did anything except what he got from Father. You can see here, it was his confessions. Listen, if, if Jesus would have bailed, if he would have been in the garden and said, you know what, God, this is too tough. I mean, I'm sweating drops of blood. I can't handle this. Listen to me. He had the choice or he wasn't the perfect sacrifice. Did you hear what I said? He wasn't there as the Son of God. He was there as the Son of Man. He was there as our, old, our elder brother. He relinquished. He left the glory of heaven to come to the poverty of this earth to become that for you and I. He had to have the ability to not choose. He could have been in the garden and said, Father, You know what, I'm sweating drops of blood, I'm beginning to realize because I believe, you know, you can disagree with this, I believe that everything came to Jesus in parts. I believe in His 30 years of of growing in Revelation, He got to a certain place of understanding what His calling and what His purpose was. But over the three years of ministry, up until the day that He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, I believe Revelation continued to come to him. And he could have come there and realized, wait a minute, what my body is going to be is is taking on, what I'm taking on in my physical body is all the sins, the sicknesses, all the pains, all the everything of every person that's ever lived or ever will live. I'm taking it on myself. Father, eh, stop, It's, it's overwhelming, I can't do it. He's able to come to our aid when we feel pressure-type situations. You've never felt that situation. Not the whole lot of us, not everybody on the planet put together has never felt what he felt. And he didn't bow his knee so that we can be empowered not to bow our knee. And in that difficult situation, in that time with Pontius Pilate, he could have justified himself. He could have called legions of angels down. You know what? Forget this mess. I'm wiping everybody out. No. He did what Father said. He kept his confession in line. And when you, my point is this, when you learn the importance of declaring the Word every day, not declaring the Word every day to change your circumstances in the moment, declaring the Word every day to change the way that you think and your awareness of what you think about situations. So when you find yourself in pressure type situations, then what comes out of your mouth is the right thing. And I'm showing you two times here where he said Jesus spoke what was right. And when you speak what's right, especially under pressure, because you have it in here, because it's real in here, it produces the same results as it did in his life. Because he said, the works that I do, you'll do, and even greater works because I've gone to the Father. Can you say amen? Amen. To maintain in the kingdom of God, it takes a right confession. And that means ridding yourself of anything that is not right toward God. I mean, I'm getting to the place where I don't even want to talk. I, I, don't, I don't want to clean up my verbal messes. I don't, I, I don't want to clean up verbal messes because I'm so emotional and worked up and about something, and I'm saying, call, call. I, I don't want to clean up those messes. Just buy a big roll of duct tape and duct tape your mouth up, your whole head. Having nothing coming out of your mouth except what God wants. Well, Pastor, I mean, we have to talk. Well, you know, you've been talking for many years. You might as well, wouldn't hurt you to shut up for six months. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, I mean, I'm not looking down at you. I'm looking at you. I've learned the quieter I get, the better things are. Only saying when it's right. You don't have anything good to say about somebody? Why say anything? Man, if you listen to anything that's going on out there, I mean, you can find yourself saying a a dozen things about somebody before you even think about it. Because we're so opinionated. Humanity is. We don't have to be, but humanity is, has been. This kind of goes with what I'm saying, and then I have my little last part here. But this verse in Proverbs 12, 6 says this. I'm going to read it in the New King James and the Passion, both. The words of the wicked are, lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. Listen to this in the Passion. look at that Proverbs 12, 6 in the Passion. There we go. The wicked use their words to ambush and accuse. Now, if you define in the Hebrew the word wicked right there, that word comes from what like a wick in a candle is and how that's created and You've ever watched a candle? Anybody ever been to Fredericksburg during Christmas time? Remember, we watched those guys make those candles? You know, those Christmas candles? And the wick in the middle is, is it's run like this. It's twisted. It, it gets really tight because if it's not tight, then it frays and it doesn't work. Right? So it's, it, 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 the word there is twisted. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it like this The twisted thinkers, okay? Saved or not saved. This isn't just wicked people like you think, unsaved, ungodly people. I'm talking about, I mean, I mean, whew. Anyway, the wicked use their words to ambush and accuse. But the lovers of God speak to defend and protect. Whoo! Someone shout amen to that. I'm going to say it again. The lovers of God speak to defend and to protect. So get this. I mean, get this in your thinking. You hear me say this a lot, but get this, okay? Every opportunity that you have in life to create a mental stronghold against another person because of what you don't like about them. Number one, keep your mouth shut. And number two, turn it around by praying Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, and Colossians 1 over their life. And if you will add them to a list... Of people or, or separated, if, it, if it's somebody that has just, I mean, given you fits for a long period of time, I, I, I can hear God saying to you this prove me. I, I almost can hear God say, I double dog dare you. <laughs> Shut up, because it's not doing any good. You're working yourself up, you know. I don't know about you, but when, when I get worked up about something like that, I talk to myself. I'll be somewhere, and I may be driving down the road. Well, you know, I just if I should have, if I could. Man, that stuff has got to shut up. And I'm telling you, if you'll zip it, and you'll turn it around and begin to speak over them, God is daring you. To do that and watch what he'll do in their lives, and you know what? You know what? I'm just telling you this. So much of the time, when we've got attitude toward people, we don't see ourselves in it. But when you start praying for people, then you begin to have God will begin to reveal things to you about yourself because you're keeping your mouth shut, and all of a sudden you're open, and all of a sudden your love for God becomes just amazing. If you shut up and get out of the equation. When you factor God into everything you do through His Word, whoo! You know, I'm speaking to you out of what's happened to me in the last seven years or so of my life, seven, eight years of my life, to where I'm living a life today and the things I'm talking about right here that I didn't ever really, I, I didn't see it as possible the way I see it today. I mean, I saw it from a distance and, you know, kind of trying to get there. But when I did it, and I did things at times but not, not consistently enough to see the results I'm talking about right now. When you do it and you don't back away from it and you live your life to defend and protect instead of, as it says here, ambush and accuse, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different world. It's the world God created us to live in now. Through Jesus Christ, heaven came to the earth and heaven lives in us. And God wants heaven manifested down here now. Listen, this place down here, this place is never going to be what we're going to live in in eternity because there has to become a new heaven and a new earth. And those will be created. The Bible's very clear about it. But while we're living down here now, where the things aren't exactly the way we want it, we can create that in the world we live in. And when you create it in your world, it it spills over into the lives of other people. That's the way God intended it. Did you hear me? This last little section, and then I'm going to Just tie this together. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. I'm going to read the 13th verse and then the 16th through the 18th verses. The 13th verse that I'm fixing to read is is talking about Father Abraham. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore we speak. See, so that's how the process of what we're talking about tonight happens. We speak and we believe and then we speak because we believe we speak more. And then we speak things and declare things by faith, and we get results. But it's because we first spoke. Same spirit of faith. Verse 16 says this, Therefore, because we have that, do not lose heart. I said do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet inward man is being renewed day by day. If what? If we are declaring the Word of God, nothing, nothing will cause you to rise up and overcome in life but declaring the Word of God. You have to declare it first you don't declare the Word of God, you don't change the way you think, you don't change your perspective on life through the declaration of God's Word, then the Holy Spirit is out of a job because His job is to reveal all truth to us. Our job is to put truth out there so that there's seed in the ground and that seed is producing for us But it produces when the Holy Spirit reveals it, takes it from the knowledge of the truth to revelation of the truth. But He said, we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. And I'm saying if, based on everything else we've read, we're declaring the Word. Watch this. For our light affliction, that's just life. And here, by faith, Paul, to the Corinthian church, is calling it, life is a light affliction. The things you go through are light afflictions. Stop and think about something that you're dealing with or faced with right now. Light affliction, that's what he calls it. Everybody say light affliction. Not some heavy load. He didn't call it that. He said light affliction. Notice, he wasn't picking one person out in some circumstance or anything. He said, life is a light affliction. The issues you face in life, they're light afflictions, which is but for a moment, they don't have to last forever, but is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. And what are the not seen things? When you declare, greater is He that is in me than he that's in the world, and you're looking at circumstances that appear like that is not true, that's the unseen. You don't see that yet. But what you're doing is you're calling things that be not as though they are. You're not calling things that are are as though they're not. You're calling things that aren't as though they are. That's the difference in the seen realm versus the unseen realm. The seen realm is based on what you see the things and the pressure and the, the light afflictions and the things that come at all of us in different directions. But the unseen realm is what the Word says is so. He said, He said, For our light affliction is but for a moment and is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen as we look at the Word of God and not the way things appear to be. Because I'm going to say this to you, I've said this to you many times, and I say it to you again. The devil is banking on the fact that you're going to give more stock to the way things appear to be, the way things seem to be, the way it looks like things are going to end up being instead of what God says is so for your life. He's banking on that. Hmm? Well, we got to bankrupt his bank. we got to let him know that's not true, and that is not happening. Can you say amen? But I want you to, I want you to think about this word or this, this statement that we had in the beginning here. And the encouragement was, Not to lose heart. After I read this next verse that connects us with this, I want to end with you not losing heart no matter what. And the last verse I'm reading is Luke 6 and verse 45, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. Luke 6 and 45. <clears throat> people are known in this same way. Out of the virtue stored in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. Likewise, out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. Now, we don't have time to look at this or look at the other look like in in the book of Matthew where it talks where where it mentions this in a different way and look at the whole passage i would encourage you to go read all of this because who he's talking about has to do with the twisted thinking it's the twisted thinkers are the evil ones that he's talking about saved or unsaved because we're talking about the condition of the soul not not the condition or the direction that your spirit man is going, you can be born again, some people don't believe this, you can be born again and still act like the devil because of twisted thinking that never changes. The day I got saved, right before my 18th birthday, the day I got born again, had no church, no word, no nothing about God at all leading up to my 18th year. And the day I got born again, I was so excited, turned on, I genuinely got born again. But my thinking didn't change that day, and neither did yours. And you have to purpose to do as Jesus did, change your confession so you change the way you think. And when you change the way you think, your perception becomes totally different than it's ever been before. And when you have a different perception about life, you go at life a total different way. Not trying to accomplish everything in the flesh. First getting it from God and then doing what God says. That's what Jesus did. And if Jesus did that on earth, He only did only what Father said. Who the heck do we think we are? Not doing exactly what Father says. Can you say amen? So He said, Out of the virtue stored in their hearts, good and upright people will do good fruit. Likewise, out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones, will produce what is evil. Watch this. For the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words." I've been meditating on this for a while, this whole thing that I'm ministering, and I'm meditating, and I'm meditating more. But when I hear something like that right there, when I hear something, those words right there, I've got to take that, and I've got to go spend time reading it, meditating it so it gets in me so that God, by the Holy Ghost, can speak to me what that word's wanting to get over to me. I'm preaching it, but I'm not Him. I'm bringing the Word, but I'm not the Holy Spirit that reveals the Word. And it takes you meditating on that and allowing that to go deep in your heart. And I'm going to read it that way again, that last part. For the overflow of what has been stored in your heart, negative or positive, will be seen by your fruit, and will be heard by what comes out of your mouth. Because out of the abundance of what's in you is what's going to come out of you. One thing or another. Can you say amen? And we've all, listen, don't be, don't be under condemnation thinking you've done this. We've all had ugly looking fruit and our words smelled rotten. Can you say amen to that? Every, everybody has but we don't have to stay that way. And we don't have to fix it. We have to learn how important it is to declare the Word of God throughout the day. That's what we have to be convinced of. And if you don't do it, what I've noticed is that people do what 2 Corinthians 4 just said. People lose heart. And I'm saying that we're living in a day to not lose heart. I don't care what you face. You, you, could, you could be thinking this very thought. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't know. No, I don't. But He does. And He was tempted and tested at all points. without sin, so He could come to the aid of those who are tempted and tested in this life. He got there through confession and obedience to do what Father said, and now it takes us doing the same thing that He was obedient to to get the same results.